Hello everyone, my name is Patrick Little and I'm the host of A Little History Podcast. And I'm speaking to you from the future, <laughs> all the way from episode 28 or 29, towards the back end of this first season. We've come a long way since uh, since the pilot episode, which uh, you're listening to right now, and I can say for sure that we have been improving as the series progresses. I like to think that I personally have become a better storyteller, and the bringing of an authentic yet accurate and entertaining story each episode has been and continues to be my priority. The limitations on the audio, especially in these earlier episodes, are obvious, due, I guess, in 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 part to the spontaneous nature of how this show began, uh, but also due to the, I guess, the COVID-19 restrictions in terms of how we do stream calls and stuff like that, and Australia's internet being terrible. Yay! But all that aside, I can say that the spirit which was kindled in these earliest episodes has ignited into an inferno of strangeness, narrative segues, and ridiculous ramblings. <laughs> and I can say you can't really be sure what you'll get each episode. But I can say it's not like any other history podcast that you've probably heard. This pilot episode is an example of what the first season is as an introduction to both the guest episodes and solo episodes which comprise this series, as well as a general feel of what you'll be getting throughout this first season. For your listening pleasure, please enjoy an entirely different approach to the stories you may or may not already know with me, your host, Patrick Little, on this weird and wacky voyage known as A Little History Podcast. Cheers. Hello friends, my name is Patrick Little, and welcome to A Little History. In our first season titled, A Mythology Apology. Each week, I'll be bringing you stories from various mythologies and folklore from around the world. These stories can be some of the most iconic tales we've known, and some of them are just really weird and obscure. So join me each week as I present this to you, alongside a lot of shit-talking, some weird segues, and some weird silly sound effects. You're listening to A Little History. Who immediately made her their queen. As a cow? No, as a human. Unfortunately, he trips on a tangled root and kind of knocks himself out. <laughs> so he's a horse mechanic and he's a son of a god as well. He's a horse mechanic. I didn't need a freaking story about making pies, man. I know how to make a bloody pie. I'm Koshy the Deathless. <laughs> give me the fucking ball and I'm going to go down there and I'm going to give Gilgamesh a piece of my mind. <laughs> Sorry. Plexipus. Homeless Gandalf without a beard. I'm not going to help you at this point, but what you should do is you should leave your silver snuff box with us for us to remember you by. <laughs> silver snuff box. And she uh, she starts cursing Gilgamesh, being like, F*** you, Gilgamesh, piece of shit. So here heads back to Mycenae with Cassandra the concubine. <laughs> is that what she's known as? And one job to do, mate. One f***ing <laughs> job. Don't look in the closet. I'm glad I got your attention. So this episode, I'm going to give you just a, a short story, uh, which I narrate myself, and then uh, and then a snippet of one of the later episodes that uh, we have, just to give the uh, the listener, if this is your first listen, then uh, you know you get a pretty good idea about what we're into. All right, so let's get started. Today's story I have for you is the story of King Midas. Now, our story takes place in the kingdom of Phrygia, 
I think modern day Turkey, like the uh, the western side of Turkey, uh, sort of bordering the Aegean Sea, um, and you know is it also has access to the Black Sea and also the Mediterranean. So pretty good place to be, really. Uh, now this kingdom itself is not typically. Uh, associated with Greece as itself, like the Greek mainland, but definitely part of the Greek world. It's uh, definitely the region where, you know, mythical Troy or historical Troy uh, is. And so it's that side. So they're very, they're in close contact with the Greeks, uh, from, or with the Greek mainland, but also has a lot of, uh, of Eastern contacts as well, we'll say. It's the beginning of Asia. Now, the great thing about uh, Phrygia and uh, sort of Anatolia, that side of like modern day Turkey, is uh, the Greek gods, uh, they tend to hang out and they go on little adventures and all that. They, they have a lot of interaction with that side of the Aegean Sea as well. And one such god, uh, definitely a favourite of this, this podcast, is Dionysus. Now, he's the god of drinking, of music and dancing, just general partying and merriment. So he's, he's a really good guy to have around and all that. Now, the thing about Dionysus is he likes to take his show on the road and, and he, he, he leads massive processions across the world, just mad partying and stuff like that, with his satires. Now, his satires, uh, they're, they're, they're sort of little, like shorter, shorter men with, uh, with hairy legs and hooves. Just think like, think like Mr. Tumnus from uh, Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe. Uh, but they're on like Mardi Gras, like 24-7. It's just party time with them. And so Dionysus is leading one of these these massive processions across the world when uh, they're in the area or the, rail, the, the, the area surrounding Phrygia uh, when Dionysus loses one of his crew. And it happens to be Dionysus' old teacher, uh, a, a satire by the name of Selenus. Now, Selenus, he's one of those guys that is just drunk as a skunk all the time like he's always got like wine dribbling out of his mouth he's that he's that kind of drunk but he's super wise as well so you know he's uh he's got that plan for him i wish i could kind of weigh that off myself be like you know this horrible drunk yet incredibly wise <laughs> still working on it kids still working on it so Selenus himself he's uh, uh gets separated from the group on this procession around phrygia either is you know He's, uh, he's gone to try to chat up some bird or he's probably gone to grab, try to grab like a kebab or something like that. You know, you know when you're on a bender and you just want something greasy. Anyway, he's gone to do whatever he's done and he's gotten separated from the group. And a group of local Phrygians, or Phrygians, uh, they have found him staggering across, along the road and they decide to jump him, to tie him up and to take him to their king. Now, these Phrygians may not... Uh, have been the smartest people because their king is a fellow known by the name Midas. Now, Midas is a massive follower of Dionysus. So you'd think that these people, these Phrygians, would would kind of recognize that a satire is part of Dionysus's party crew and, you know, maybe don't jump him in time up and, and all that. But it gets cleared up real quick. As soon as Selenus is uh, is brought before the king, Midas immediately recognizes what's going on. He's like, "Holy shit, we gotta untie this guy right now." I'm really sorry, mate. Like, guys are they're all over the shop. So he, you know, gives his subjects to kick up the bum. Out they get, and Selenus he's he's pretty cool about the whole thing um, because Midas decides, "Hey, mate, I'm gonna throw a massive party in your honor and as well as your uh, your as well as the god Dionysus." So. 
you know, they're all good, having a massive feast. And it's huge. It's a ma- it's huge bender, lots of food, all that stuff. The massive shindig. And afterwards, Midas decides, he goes, I'm going to take Selenus, uh, probably with both of them having massive hangovers, to Dionysus's temple. To sort of, you know, hey, mate, ego, found your boy, um, all's well. And Dionysus could not be happier. He's just overjoyed that his, his old teacher has been found safe and sound. And he's good to go. And he wishes, he goes, mate, Midas, is there anything I can do to thank you for bringing back my old teacher? I'll grant you whatever you like. Now, Midas, uh, one thing about Midas is that he loves gold. Like, think like that that gold member, like, I love gold, but to another level, like gold and riches, this guy cannot get rich enough. Like, there's always something else that he wants and something else that he really needs. Like, if he could fuck it, he would. And let's be honest, he probably has tried because that's the, that's how much he's into it. So it doesn't really, as I said, it doesn't really matter how much this guy, how much gold or how much wealth this guy has. He just feels like it's never enough. So he makes his wish to Dionysus a little bit too quick. Like he's, he's eager. He's an eager beaver. And he goes, mate, I want the power to be able to turn anything I touch into gold. And Dionysus is like, ooh, you sure about this, Midas? Uh, it sounds pretty all-encompassing. Yeah, you're going to set any parameters or anything like this, maybe? And Midas is like, mate, why are you still talking? Uh, give me what I ask for. I want anything I touch to turn into gold. Full stop. Dionysus then goes, whatever, man. Shit, I've got a bloody game of beer pong or something to get back to anyway. So he looks down at the king. He smiles and he vanishes into celestial light. Now, Midas, understandably, he's pretty wrapped by this, and he runs back to his palace, and he starts to try out his new powers on pretty much anything he sees. Like, he's touching walls, he's touching his furniture, you name it. This guy goes to town on his shit. And by the time he's done, the whole palace is golden, and it's just, like, gleaming in the afternoon sun. He's like, oh, mate. Uh, you know what feels, like, better than having a, uh, everything I have made of gold? You're having a fucking celebration about it. So he goes to the palace kitchen and tells his servants to prepare for a massive feast to celebrate his gift. And they'd be like, oh shit, Midas, we just cleaned up after the last feast you had for Salernus. And oh, <laughs> that little bastard was trying to hump me leg the other night. Oh, we just, we just got the place back the way we like it. Are you sure? He's like, mate, did I stutter? Get this feast going. Uh, preferably lots of greasy stuff because my head is rubbish after last night. So, yep, stat, stat, let's get it going. I need to celebrate my abilities to make stuff into gold. Did I mention that? I can turn stuff into gold anytime I like. And so the feast kicks off and uh, you've got to think there's guests there because it's a feast and they're going to be like, great. Like we thought, if we thought this guy who just can't get enough riches in the first place was a dick before, mate, we're going to learn our lesson the hard way, but... Mate, you know, at least he throws a good feast. So that's fine. Let's just let's just have a good time, huh? And Midas is happy as Larry. But all that touching stuff all day, it's made him a bit peckish. You know, he's, he's a little bit hungry. And so he goes to grab a piece of bread and places it in his mouth. And he nearly breaks his teeth on this now golden bread-shaped nugget that's in his mouth. And he's like, ah, oh, fuck, mate. That's a bit bloody crazy. Just turn a piece of bread into gold. Anyway, uh, mate, grab me my, my, my goblet of wine. I'm just going to wash this down, and uh, I'm sure it'll be all good. And now he does it. He takes the goblet and, uh, and, and slushes it down, only to have the cup 
and its contents solidify in his mouth. So he's on all fours, spitting up solid wine that's now made of gold out of his mouth. He's nursing his sore teeth, and he realizes he's the mistake he's made. And he goes, "Mate, oh, I've been a bit of a bit of a dumbass." Oh, everything I touch turns to gold. I should have maybe put some parameters on this shit. Ah, oh, well. So he starts weeping. Uh, he's a bit distraught, a bit down on himself, and all the guests must be like, "Ah, oh, should we? Should we go? Um, well, I think we should go, but I don't really get a chance to eat anything because you know, like you, you're the king. You're the king's right. You have to eat first, and you ate the bread, and then you smashed up your teeth. And man, I skipped lunch for this dinner. Shit, I need to get some subway on the way home or something. Fuck. All right, all right, done. There is one thing I forgot to mention that Midas loves more than gold, and that's his daughter. <laughs> He's named his daughter Marigold. So, <laughs> but other traditions, other stories has her name as Zoe. So let's just go with Zoe for this one. <laughs> so Zoe comes into the feast and she sees her father. He's down in the dumps and she doesn't know quite what's happened. She's probably, well, she, something must be up if you walk into a palace that's now been turned to gold. But she's walked in, she sees her father upset, and she wants to give him a cuddle. So she crosses the ballroom, or the, the feasting hall, to, uh, to, to give her father a cuddle. And you got to think that there's somebody who, like, either doesn't like Midas, or was, like, just trying to chat up Zoe at some other stage. And they're like, no, no, stop, stop, he can turn anything to gold, no, stop, stop, oh, I guess you didn't hear me. Anyway, but obviously that doesn't happen. Uh, but before anyone has time to react, she gives her, di her dad, dear old King Midas, a cuddle and then immediately is transformed into a perfect gold statue. Now Midas is distraught. He throws his head back and he cries aloud to Dionysus, I've done fucked up. I should have been more careful for what I wished for. Oh, please get rid of me curse. And high up on the slopes of Mount Olympus, uh, which is the home of the gods. We'll get to that in later episodes. Dionysus is sinking some sides. He's playing some Mario Party with his mates. And when he hears Mario... Uh, not Mario. When he hears Midas's cries. And you'd think that Dionysus would be like, What did I tell you, you fucking idiot? I gave you the chance to amend your, 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 your immediate wish. You didn't think about it. Um, you know, I'm going to grill you something savage. But if we remember, Midas is a huge worshipper of Dionysus. So you think maybe Midas's pleas, uh, uh, you know, they get to Dionysus. They stir some pity in him and he goes, oh yeah, all right, he's one of my boys. I better, better go and take care of him, set things right. So he comes down to the king and he tells him to go and wash himself in the river Pactolus. The river Pactolus is an actual river um, in, in Turkey. Um, and it's, it's quite famous, but I'll tell you that a little bit later. So he tells him to go and wash himself in this river. So the river of Pactolus and the power will wash away from his body and his soul. So Midas does this and all the power, which he possesses when he jumped up before, um, he went into the river, just washes away in the, in, in, in the flow and the river's water, uh, the river's water glimmer with gold. 
and the river itself being historically known for being quite rich in deposits of gold. So there's a little bit of an explanation there for you. Explanation of the world! So in addition to having the gift slash curse lifted, everything, oh, sorry, from himself, uh, everything and everyone that Midas also touched uh, reverts back to its normal state. So I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, what a cop out. I bet, <laughs> bet this fuck doesn't learn a thing. It might have, it, it may as well have been like one of those times where it was like, it was all a dream. Oh, I guess I'll mend my ways or whatever. But you know, it does, it does, it doesn't, um, it does bring about some change in our king. Uh, his love for gold disappears as if it had been washed away in the river. So there's a bit of good, you know, character development, bit of growth for you. Um, and it's not all good though uh, for him because it's uh, not 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 long after he comes into a bit of strife with uh, the god Apollo, um, which is another story. But he basically, for his trouble, the god, uh, you know, gives him a pair of arse ears for his trouble. Uh, but as I said, that's another story. But for now, we'll leave it there. That's a little short story there. Um, a little introduction to a little history, how I'll do things uh, solo. In addition to my solo episodes that I do, I love having guests. And um, the majority of my episodes are with guests because I love having guests coming in cold. And we just sort of talk and just you know nut it out. I'll tell them the story. And um, we'll just talk a lot of shit. So here's an, here's an example. Here's a, an excerpt from one of the later episodes of um, this first season. It's recorded with, uh, with my brother, Matthew. And um, yeah, just to give you an idea about how the guest, uh, the guest episodes work as well. So yeah, I hope you enjoy. You've got that going. But then again, she's still pretty, like she still wants to have it out with Agamemnon because, you know, he sacrificed their daughter. So you still got that. It's just you know, just a little bit of extra. So she's still extra... holding on to that. Yeah. Jeez, <laughs> bit of extra wood on the fire. She's uh, she's yeah, she's holding on to it. Everyone holds on to everything in these stories. Anyway, she said um, sorry. Come so, on. but Agamemnon, he's sort of attuned to his wife at this at, at this point because before he left, he's gotten one of his mates, a trusty bard, just a trustworthy bard, to guard against any potential unfaithfulness by Clytemnestra. So. Is you know a bard like a, like a muso? You've gotten some dude to hang out with a harp because musos don't they, they don't they don't attract anybody, do they? So no, he's got a bad he's got a band member. So a guy that's in a <laughs> band to look after his wife. Yeah. No, what are you doing, Agamemnon? He's going to be slumming a big dog. It's a poor choice of uh, character and poor judgment, I think. He's got a um, he's got a shitty car. He plays guitar. Oh, hates the world. Oh, he's all over it. No, oh, but she's definitely strumming something with him around. I mean, musos, gotta love it. Mm. Gotta love it. Anyway, so, um, but it, you're not going to hear much about this bard because as soon as they're sure about each other, Clytemnestra and Aegisthus, they decide to abduct this bard uh, and then maroon him on a desert island. But wait, I didn't do anything. Oh, you're all dicks. <laughs> this poor guy. So, because, uh, to be fair, he did get given a job by the king. Yeah. After his wife. <laughs> Mate, you want to look after my wife? Why sure, man. Just, why didn't he just say no? I'm can't sure refuse a king. Even better. He can't refuse a so king. they maroon him. Yeah. Is that the option? They oh, didn't God. bother trying to kill him, like, outright. I mean, he dies oh. on this island because he doesn't have any... It's a desert island. I was about no. to say, does that also count as living out your days? Living yeah. out your days in an ice island? Just give him a shiv. Just give him a shiv. What are you doing? Why are you taking the extra... Going the extra mile to... To off this these guy. rich, these rich pricks, uh, <laughs> tools to the rest these of society. Plans, plans are terrible. Anyway, so they, they, 
they happen, they uh, they maroon the bard, he's out of the picture, and they begin living openly and ruling openly in Mycenae. Um, for about seven years of this happens, they, uh, they, they <laughs> rule for that time. But no, no news of this crosses the Aegean Sea to the, and, and reaches the ears of Agamemnon. He's completely none, none oblivious. None of this hot gossip gets across. <laughs> Nobody hears it at all. Think TMZ would be ah. blowing up with this shit. And he's just like, oh, I'll just keep attacking the city. Don't worry about it. Uh, camera in his uh, face on the battlefield. What do you think yeah. about this? <laughs> you watched Banging the Kings. What? <laughs> Uh, so anyway, um, yes, this uh, the Trojan War ends. The Greek forces succeed in storming the fortress city of Troy. Uh, they loot it, plunder, lots of murder, lots of uh, riches and wealth gained uh, in the way of jewels and, and, and gold and, and minerals and stuff like that, but as well as slaves. Um, and am among the riches, Agamemnon takes captive a princess of Troy by the name of Cassandra. Cassandra. So a what? I just couldn't What's help. What's her name? Sorry, Cassandra. Cassandra. How do you sound that out? Cassandra. Okay. Yeah, that just sounds think, like a normal name. Cassandra. <laughs> so she's just Cassandra. Like, just think like um, uh, Wayne's Jane. World. Wayne's World. Cassandra. She's such a babe. Just like just think like that. <laughs> Why is she named Cassandra and everyone else has weird ass names? Because Greek that's it's a name. Like Cleopat Cleopatra's a Greek name. I'm. I'm aware it's a name, but it's okay. Cleopatra and Cassandra are nowhere near each other. People are still called Cassandra. You don't see people walking around called Cleopatra. Do you? Uh, Cleopatra coming at you. Rest my case. <laughs> Is that someone you know? Or? <laughs> I know. I know the song. Anyway, it yeah. <laughs> doesn't matter. So yeah. he's taken captive. I digress. Yeah, he's taken captive uh, Cassandra, Princess of Troy. She happens to have the power of foresight as well as uh, being Cassandra's known. such a good name too. It's so bogan. Oi, Cassandra! <laughs> Tell us the future. The future. <laughs> All right, everybody. Hope you got a, uh, a good taste of what uh, a little history is about. And uh, and I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I hope you guys uh, have, have, uh, have, have spurred a bit of excitement for the, for the series that is, that is coming. And, yeah, we'll catch you on further adventures on a little history. Okay, cheers for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to A Little History. Uh, we're an independent podcast, so it would truly be wonderful if you could uh, like or follow us wherever you're hearing A Little History today. Uh, and feel free to leave a comment below as well. Now, if you want to get in touch, uh, have any suggestions for future episodes, or you just want to send in your love, send it to a little history podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter under A Little History Podcast. All right, we'll see you next time.